Hey, welcome back to Time Limit. This episode is all about PMOs. Now, what's that, you ask? Well, this week's guest, Lindsay Scott, is the perfect person to explain them to you. She's the director of PMO Learning, which is a learning and certification company that caters to PMOs specifically. She also started and organizes a fun meetup in the UK called the PMO Flash Mob. And during our conversation, she not only educates us on the PMO, what they look like, where you'll find them, the advantages and the challenges, but she also talks about how you can grow your career into a PMO. There's a lot of good stuff in this episode, thanks to Lindsay. So check it out. Okay, Lindsay Scott, thank you so much for joining me on Time Limit today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you um, for the invite. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Awesome. You are in one of my favorite cities in the world, which is Manchester in the United Kingdom. So I'm happy to have you on. Happy to maybe even see you this year at the Deliver Conference. Um, but for now, I'm really excited to kind of dig into a topic that we haven't talked about a lot here at Team Gant or on Time Limit, and that's PMOs. Um, and I think what I want to do is start at the really base kind of ground level. Can you just tell us a little bit about what a PMO is and where you might find one? Oh, um, well, it's a great question. And um, there's lots of different answers that I could give you. But just generally, very basically, a PMO normally stands for um, a, a project management office. Um, and um, and they're, they're there to basically help organisations get better at delivering the projects um, that they have. And um, so if you look at any kind of organisation and um, different sizes and um, how good they might already be at project management or you know how many projects that they're running, the types of projects that they're running, all of those kind of things have a bearing on, on the kind of PMO that it might have. But essentially, a PMO can be uh, one person it can be um, a number of different people all working together. But essentially, um, the bottom line is for um, a lot of smaller organisations, um, they would have a, a PMO to both help projects get delivered smarter and quicker and better, but also um, extend help to the people that are delivering projects as well. So there's a lot of um, things like coaching um, and, and mentoring project managers. So a lot of people in a, a kind of PMO background have, have been in project management for a long time and, and tend to spot and, and being able to see where problems or blockers are in the, in the way for project teams to get projects delivered. So, um, and then... You know, you can have PMOs in, in lots of different shapes and sizes because of the nature of the of the projects or the organisation in which they're in. You know, very large organisations have many PMOs. If you can, you know, imagine that they're, they're running hundreds of projects, um, you know, that kind of PMO role changes and, and has additions to it. Because if you imagine, a you know, an organisation that's got hundreds of projects, you kind of need somebody there to, to to oversee what's going on to be able to be the eyes and ears for you know senior management need to know what what's going on across the 100 projects and you know who is the person that's going to be able to see all of that because you know individual project managers are, are down in their projects delivering their projects 
and, and, and don't really um, have that much to do with other projects that are going on. So that's where you get like, um, like an enterprise level PMO, where you can basically have people that can oversee everything that's going on and start to understand, you know, what are the dependencies perhaps between projects or, um, you know, how do we prioritise the projects that we're going to deliver based on, you know, the resources we have available. So the work of PMO can be so wide ranging because of uh, the nature of the organisation that it sits in. So I try to give a basic answer, but it's never basic PMO. <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds like basically at the heart of it, the PMO is about making things a little less complicated and maybe adding a level of standard across projects and across project managers as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it, it, it got born out of, I mean, I know there's lots of history about it. You go back and look at things like, um, you know, the, the project office at NASA used to be, you know, one that um, a lot of people took the, the kind of model from. And you can imagine, you know, back in the in the day when it was the, the space race and all of that, that, you know, all their projects that were going on, that they needed that office there to... Right. To cut it, like you say, is is is, is standardised. Is you know, I, I think one of the problems that a lot of organisations have in the early days, when they're first starting to get into doing projects, is to try and have a way of doing things that makes things standardised and simple, and everybody knows what they're doing. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's about reducing waste and and all of that kind of good stuff but but the interesting thing is is that you know smaller businesses that may only have two or three projects running you know probably don't need a pmo um it's right. only the complications start to come when you're doing more and more projects and you need more and more project managers and you just want to make sure that things are you know they use the word um a, a favorite word around pmo is monitor and control that's the kind of you know thing that it's been born out of. But um, I think more recently in this day and age where we've got different delivery um, approaches, so obviously things like Agile hate that kind of monitoring control type language. So um, you know, it, with that kind of uh, PMO working around Agile projects, it's, turned, it's changed its language to be more that we're here to remove blockers, that we're here to, to, to mentor and, and to coach you through things if you need it. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting place to be because the PMO does change and has to change based on how an organisation is, you know, approaching the way that it does its projects. And that has changed over the last decade or so. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like there might be a tipping point at, at organisations in terms of number of projects or maybe number of project managers where it makes sense to bring on or start a PMO, right? Or, or bring in a person in into that role. Do you have a sense for kind of what that number is, or is it really kind of just a case by case type of thing? Um, there is that bit of a case by case, but I think a good example um, of, of when it starts to feel like it's a need is if um, where one where a project manager is actually managing maybe two, three, or four projects on the on, at the same time, um, and then. What tends to happen, you bring in a project support type person to do some of the more administrative side of projects. So that project manager that's been assigned to four projects is very much focusing 
on the things they need to focus on mm-hmm. and that support person or like right a man or, or you know whatever you want to call them uh, coming in and, and taking off some of a um you know the more repetitive things like filling out logs or you know doing time sheeting type stuff or you know that kind of sure. thing actually you can pass on so i feel like with it you know when it's uh, when it's a business that is doing projects you know that's quite new to it all that tends to be the kind of tipping point i think you know you want a project manager to focus on the things that project manager does well you know getting the team motivated working with a customer all that kind of stuff um and um you know if you're assigning them to to three or four projects you know um something's got to give and that's when that tends to happen and that's where you get like the early you know you don't necessarily call those people pmos you just tend to call them people like project coordinators or, or something like that but that kind of starts the whole um journey for a lot of a lot of organizations that are literally coming from a um a, a place of we're just starting to do projects and you know our maturity level around projects is not massive um but you know we're okay at the moment because we're not creaking we, we can manage it but i think it's the, it's the point when actually the business is getting more and more projects and i think you tend to see that by um you'll start to feel the uh, the pain when it comes to resourcing those projects and then you're starting to think like okay i think it's probably time to look at getting some help in for these project managers got it so, you know you know what i mean it's it's a it's a very um uh, it'll, it'll it'll differ it will differ for for different um businesses and i think Another indicator is probably um, by how risky and more complex projects are getting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're finding that, you know, if you've got what you call bread and butter projects that, you know, your business is doing day in, day out, and, you know, actually they're, they're, they're fairly easy for you to do because it's what you've always been doing. I think it's once you start to get new projects, new products or, you know, things that are uh, more complex more risky potentially um you know there's more more at stake that you then start to think actually we probably need to be thinking about how we are delivering this project and are we monitoring and controlling it correctly and you know all of that kind of good stuff and that's when you're you're starting to look into you know some of the deeper best practices around project management so and that's where good pmos come in because it part of their job is like we say is, is to help an organization get better at delivering projects and they do that by putting in place standards and governance and controls and things like that so yeah it's um Different horses for courses. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting because I'm sitting here listening to you. And, and by the way, thank you for all of that. That's really helpful. I'm sitting here realizing that I was in a position as a PMO. It just wasn't my title. And, yeah. you know, my title was vice president of project management. And I think that's just so common um, within our field. You know, people, the, the titles that organizations give, um, to people are not necessarily uh, standard across the board. So you have someone who is a PMO without that title, um, but what they're doing is kind of similar. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious kind of along those lines, like what is your experience or what do you see as maybe the career path that takes someone from project manager or project coordinator through to a PMO or a director of a PMO? 
um, again, we, we, we generally, and I say we, um, you know, I'm based here in the UK, so we tend to, you know, we, we do have a slightly different um, model around PMO than we do um, against the states, for example. Sure. And I'll explain um, about that in a, in a sec. But in terms of, um, we, we generally see two different types of career path, um, and that's people that come in through that project support level, and then they're working their way up through, um, you know, from, 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 from a project support role into a PMO analyst, into a PMO manager, and then the head of, head of PMO or, you know, that kind of route. And, and for some some of them, um, they never deliver a project. They've always been on that, that side of the, where they're, they've been about the, the the methods the processes the tools the techniques that's what's you know been their, their job and then you get people who come directly through a delivery so they've started out as a uh, assistant project manager project manager senior project manager program manager and then quite easily slip into the the pmo um the head of pmo type role because you know it's it's one of the um when you get to a senior level at PMO, with like an enterprise level PMO, mm-hmm. those follow often um, almost at a board level. If they're not at a board level, we're just one underneath because ultimately, you know, their, their portfolio of projects and programs in a big business could be worth billions. Right. Like, so to be in that role, you've got to be a pretty much a senior executive anyway. So you generally find with those roles that the uh, the prerequisites are that you will have been in a delivery capacity at some point in your career and preferably on a large program of, of work that was worth a lot of money because you know they need somebody that um, has been around that block basically because there's such a, uh, a huge amount at stake so you then you'll get people that flitch so you'll have um, somebody who will be working as an assistant project manager into a project manager and they'll say you know what Actually, now that I've seen what PMO does, I'm actually more interested in that side of it than I am in delivery. Um, And you do see a lot of project managers making the change into PMO, which, you know, for for whatever reason, you know, not everybody has a great time being a project manager. It's not suitable for everybody. Um, And, um, you know, some people recognise that and think, well, you know, I love project management, but I really have a you know enough of delivering projects what else is there for me and and pmo is about you know it is about project management across the entire organization and, and getting better at that um so there's different roles and responsibilities there and perhaps not the stress of delivering a, a particular project but um but the, the the interesting thing as i mentioned before about how the model um in in the states is slightly different than here in the uk is that you generally with a PMO, it is very much um, something where you don't have the project managers reporting into you. So the project managers are actually reporting into somebody else, and the PMO is doesn't have that line management responsibility for project managers. And it's a, it's a subtle difference, but actually it has quite a big impact. Um, so it, it's, it is one of the main differences. So in the States, you do have generally... You know, most of the time you'll have project managers that sit within a PMO structure. Yeah, so you'll be like you were saying about you can be a head of project manage management and your accountabilities are not only about improving project management, but you've also got to improve the project managers and that's your line management responsibility for that. Right. Uh, whereas here in the UK, you don't see that model as much. 
the PMO is there to improve project management, but the improvement on project managers is done by another senior manager. Now, would that that senior manager, would that person report up to the PMO then? Um, not, not, not like, no, not, okay. not, doesn't have to. No, Interesting. It's crazy. Mad, isn't it? I mean, I, 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 I'm going to apologise because we're supposed to be making this subject simple. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um but uh, you know if, if anything i think when people uh one of the things that we get a lot of uh, when new in pmo is that you you come across project managers that oh i can't stand the pmo all they're ever doing is nagging me for stuff and you know you want me to fill out this report and that report and i have no idea why you do it and you know what the outcome of it all is and um you know sure people have had some bad experiences but i think after the time is that if you are coming across a PMO, one of the questions you need to be asking is what is its remit? What is that PMO there to do? Because they do have different remits. And I think sometimes there's a kind of miscommunication between the PMO and project managers, um, you know, about what are they there to do? And, and vice versa, really. I mean, you know, they're getting better at it. Um, but but generally, you know, it's... Um, it's been a bit of a love-hate relationship, but, um, you know, ultimately we're all there to do the same thing, which is to, to deliver projects successfully. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, and um, sometimes we can probably be, we could be working better together. But, um, and that comes down to communication. Which yeah. Is a, you know, the top skill in project management. So, um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it, it is an interesting one because, uh, like I said, PMOs do differ, and they've, like said, they've got different titles, and they're called all sorts of weird and wonderful different names. But the bottom line is, it's just about trying to understand, you know, what is their remit, what are they there to do, because it will differ. Yeah. Right. Now, I'm, either way, it sounds like the PMO is there at a higher level to, like I said earlier, make things less complicated, streamline processes, make sure that the project management practice is actually working for the organization. I'm wondering, you know, if, if I'm someone who does want to get into uh, a role in a PMO, are there any benchmarks or um, classes or subjects that you think that I should be looking at or doing to kind of advance my career? Um, th- there is. And um, again, what's interesting about a PMO career is that you you are expected to know just as much as a project manager. So whatever, ex- you know, whatever training and courses available for project management, absolutely, you know, PMO people also need to know all of that. But it's not just project management, because the, the, the letter P in PMO can also mean program. So right. understanding about those, you know, the, the, about program management, and it also stands for portfolio management as well. So mm-hmm. again, depending on what kind of business you're in and what kind of PMO, so you need to understand what we call PPM, even though it's three things: it's project programs and portfolios. You need to understand about all of that because it is the bigger picture of how um, you know an organization sets a strategy and then from the strategy how do we get into initiatives and then how do we prioritize those and then how many you know what projects are we going to be running you need to understand that entire ecosystem and how that all sticks together you know um, and then there's the other side of it just like again like project management 
is that focus on the behavioral side of what you do so you know the communications the relationship building all that kind of stuff again is key but the other side as well is also having a, a wider business understanding because um, you know, the project management department does not work in isolation from the rest of the business. So there's this whole, you know, understanding the change aspects of a business as well as the business as usual. So it's a massive undertaking. It's a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, I'm not saying that, you know, you work in a particular PMO, but you, you wouldn't start out at a portfolio level generally. You'd probably work your way up from projects into programs into portfolios like that absolutely so there are you know lots you know lots of things around project management but there are also courses that are all about pmo as well which is um because the yes the, the the bottom line there is okay so so how do we set up a pmo and if we're going to set up a pmo how do we decide what services we're going to offer to people uh, and if we offer these services how do we know that they're they're being undertaken and how good they are and how do we improve on it so there are then courses that are very specific around that that area about working in a PMO and how do you bring together all those things we've just talked about you know the PPM stuff the business stuff and the behavioral skills how do you use all those together to create a, a, a function or a, a service within a business like a PMO so there's a you know I've always said to people that you know PMO can never be boring it couldn't you know you could be bored in a current role but believe me there are lots of different types of PMOs out there to choose from right that you then go on and do something that's completely different you know, you know that requires another level of um, accountability and another level of, of skill that you've not had before and you know all that kind of stuff but yeah it's do you know I, I feel like I'm recruiting you know to anybody who's listening to this <laughs> being a project manager you know as long as you know that there's something out there that um, allows you to be in project management without having to deliver a project. Because I think right. project and you tell me, I mean, project managers, then they get to a point where they feel like, oh, I'm just delivering another project that feels very much like the same to the last one. You know, how do I yeah. But, you know, I know so certainly I've been I've been in that scenario where I feel like okay there's not much more I can do here in my career like what what can I do that where I can make a, an impact in a different place or change the the course of my career um, and I and I have to guess that a lot of PMs are thinking about that but I think to go back to something that you said earlier it's that you can't be a PMO without experience as a project manager you kind of have to have been through the ringer a little bit. To, to gain that experience, to know how and what you can manage at a high level and how you can make an impact on a team or an organization, whatever kind of level it might be that you're working at. Um, and to me, that that's exciting. Like I, I think a, a lot of this um, sounds like something I would love to do at some point. And, but I'm, I'm curious about the learning aspect of it. So as we know, you're the director of PMO Learning. Um, and my guess is that you've got a good insight into what kinds of topics are really important to people in this position. I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about kind of what courses are, are most popular or well attended or, or even make the most impact on a PMO. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like um, like any other type of um, professional training, is that there's always people that want something that is certified, you know. So right. you, you do a training course, you know, like a PM 
PMP. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but that's not just about getting a certificate. I think it's about wanting to gain the knowledge of um, what is the good practice, the best practice that's that's out there. Because the interesting thing about uh, you speak to a lot of people in a PMO career. Um, there's quite a lot of them that work alone. You get a lot of PMOs of one. So it's just literally one person that can be, you know, trying to do a lot of the, um, a lot of the good work around standardization or whatever. Um, and for those people, you've only ever really got one organizational view, i.e. the one that you're in. So to do certificate-based training is, is good for people to be able to say and see that, look, this is the best practice. You know, I've been on the courses around the best practice stuff. Best practice, you know, it'll probably not work for us in its entirety, but we can take some elements from that best practice and then use that in our organisation. So, you know, it's not they're not certificate-based courses like, you know, this is how you definitely do setting up a PMO and here's five steps and if you go away and do that, you'll be fine. It is more about, you know, un- an understanding of what good PMOs do and then being able to learn that to the knowledge side of it um, and then come back into your organization take the bits that are going to work and then do it and there'll always be you know it's nice to have a certificate as well because that's obviously showing everybody else out there when it comes to job hunting and stuff that you're serious about your your profession and things and in in the, here in the uk we have three different bodies um which is um, we have BCS, British Computer Society. We have Axlos, that's the same place that uh, Prince 2 that most people have heard about. They have one called P3O. And then we have an, a, an international one, which is AIPMO, uh, Association for International PMOs. Those are the three main certificate certification bodies that have um, those kind of courses for the exams. Interestingly, there's not any uh, in the States that I know of. Um, PMI definitely don't do anything that's PMO, directly PMO related. Right. Um, so it's an, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because PMOs exist and have existed for a long time. So um, I think you can probably see why we decided to set up a training company to do with PMOs. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to wrap <laughs> your head around doing training for something where there is no standardization, right? Like, or, or, or certification around it. It's it's a lot. I don't know. This is kind of my personal opinion on project management training and certification, which I'm a fan of, by the way. But it's like there's no single project that's run the same way. So I can teach you all of these different things that you could do as a yeah. project manager working with a client or working with internal stakeholders. But I can't tell you exactly step by step how you need to do these things. You actually need to think through those things on your own. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and isn't that the thing about um, anybody working in a project management right. field today? Have a certain level of intellect, certain level of pragmatism. So um, it stands to reason that you know you, as long as you can expand your knowledge in lots of different areas, and in, uh, it, it is about then thinking, right, okay, so how do I make this work in the particular environment that I'm in right now? Right. Um, there's nothing worse than, I think one of the, 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 the problems with PMO is that you get a lot of people that will move from organisation to organisation. You know, it's, it's a thing. Uh, a good consulting role would be uh, setting up a PMO for a business, yeah? So, you know, um, 
it's a nice piece of work. It can take about 12 to 24 months, something like that. Oh, I'm sure. And, and um, you can see how that could be a, quite a good career to do, keep skipping about every two years. But the problem <laughs> it is that people then think, oh, well, I set up a PMO in this business. Now I'm going to go and set one up in this business over here, and I'm just going to do it in exactly the same way that I've just done it. But right. Actually, that's where it goes wrong because you're assuming that the environment that you're now going to set up a PMO in is going to be similar to the one you, you did before and, it, and they're not, you know, and um, and it is about being pragmatic with, okay, so these are the best practices out there, but actually these bits will not work in this environment because of X, Y, and Z, you know, so. Exactly. Yeah, you, you know, it's, it's uh, project management is a, you know, it's, it's a professional you know, job, but inclining, you know, a level of intelligence and problem solving to 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 work through it. And um, yeah, so the certification training is well, the way that I see it is is this is the best practice out there. You need to know that in order to be able to make informed decisions about what you can and can't do. You know, as you go forward, in whether that be in your project or in a PMO. Um, but the uh, the other thing that's interesting in our business is because um, we're deeply embedded with PMO people because of some of the other things we do. Um, we're here listening all the time to what's what, what are their challenges, what's going on right now, and you'll hear the same things as you would with a project manager. It's just that they're coming at it from a different angle. So, for example, big subject is resource management. You know, how do we make sure that the projects that we have coming down the line are going to be sufficient, uh, sufficiently resourced? Every project manager has that problem. Absolutely. And PMO are looking at it from an organisation point of view. So the project manager is going to want in nine, ten people on eight projects in two months' time. Times that by 100 projects across that business, somebody's got to be looking at that resource plan for the entire business. That's the kind of PMO you know, level that they're looking at. And then you've got the project managers obviously looking at it from their particular project point of view. So it's the subjects are the same. It's just... You know, we've got a different problem to solve. Yeah, um, it seems like it's just it's on a bigger it. scale, right? I mean, it's, Absolutely. it's you yeah. know, I'm not just thinking about the project and, and the team and the stakeholders. I'm thinking about the project managers and the process and the tools that we're using and everything else, making sure that we're operating in a way that is efficient and keeping people productive and happy and all of those things. Yes. I love yeah. it. I think it's really interesting. And I think there are so many parallels that you've drawn between the role of PM and the role of PMO. And it's kind of like, you know, you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, right? Like when it, when it comes to, to training and certification, but at the same time, you have to have some base level understanding of how projects work. And, and if you're trying to take on a role as a PMO, you've got to spend a little bit of time in that organization to make sure that you understand what makes it tick and what's going to work and what isn't going to work. So to your point earlier, there's no that way that you could say, I'm going to set up a PMO in this company and two years from now, I'm going to move on and do it with a, you know, a bigger company. Because yeah. just like you know, getting your PMP certification, yes, you may have learned all of those things and they may apply in, in one scenario, but they're not going to apply everywhere. So you have to take your time to to get to know the organization and its people and do your research to roll out something that is actually going to be practical, useful, and will sustain yeah. several mm -hmm. years, several projects and people, right? Yeah. I mean, the other way to look at it is the setting of a PMO is just 
running a project, the project is. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. So that there's no reason, there's no reason why a project manager wanting to change into becoming a PMO manager should be that difficult. Yep. But I think what it takes is just is just a, that, that appreciation that you are looking at problem through a different lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that so, makes sense. Yeah. And, and um, you know, there's no reason why project managers wouldn't make great PMO managers, actually. And, yeah. But I think it's something, like I said, you know, there's been a lot of history between, you know, PMOs are there to do one job and then sometimes a project manager might have rightly or wrongly felt threatened by what some of the remit of a PMO might be, you know, mm-hmm. just by collating status reports to sending them to senior execs and doing the rag reporting and all this kind of stuff has left a lot of bad blood between them. But Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's, I want to talk about something that you kind of touched on very, very briefly a couple minutes ago. I want to talk about the PMO flash mob that you <laughs> organize. Um, you know, I've kind of been watching that afar via Twitter and LinkedIn, and I wish that I could join one of those events. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what, what, that's, what that's about? Yeah, I'm, I'm slightly, <laughs> every time I hear anybody else say flash mob, um, I'm slightly embarrassed about it, but I'm not really. It, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> what it was, it's because of what it was born out of, which is about six years ago, something like that. And uh, at the time when people were doing flash mobs in train stations and, and various right. places, and we just got the idea, uh, me and a, a colleague one night, we were, we were sat on the South Bank uh, in London, watching the sun go down with a cocktail in the hands, and we thought, and he was um, he was letting rip about some problem that he'd been having. He was working in PMO, and uh, and we were just sat there and, and and chatting away. And we just said, you know, what would be a really great idea is if you could just get loads of people, right? You know, maybe just six or seven around a table, and they could just put the world to rights. It's all about PMO stuff, and we could be helping each other, kind of like a little coaching circle. Um, and this is before the days of. Um, meetups and stuff which have just exploded everywhere you know before all of that there, there wasn't that kind of thing going on um so that's where we started we just basically started putting on dates and saying look if you in PMO turn up here at this pub uh, in London and um, we're just going to sit and talk about a particular theme around PMO and from, from that it got a little bit more formal started doing certain nights where we might have a guest speaker um you know so you're getting crowds of about 30 40 people um and and it still goes on today it's like that it feels a bit um we listen to what people are chatting about and think oh actually that'll make a good topic for the next flash mob or later on in the year um because we, we start hearing all the time is that people start talking about the same thing oh well i've got that problem as well and you know you'll hear it again and again so um so that's what makes us um, keep going basically because it's tough to get people together and keep them engaged and you know all, all the rest of it but we have such good fun really and I think the name kind of shows that it's not going to be that staid and, and boring and yeah. yes there's some drinks and pubs involved in some, you know um, in some of it but some of the things we're doing we hold them at um, certain um, organizations as well so you know we've got PMO people all over the country that are giving us their office space and, and saying come in come you know do something around here and all of that and that led to 
doing bigger events where we have a, a, a conference each year in London that's um, really well attended and um, and yeah we just you know it allows us to have a bit of um, fun with it but the training company came later because people just were saying well you know it, the flash mobs are good for like knowledge sharing and networking and chatting to each other but actually you know we, it'd be quite, quite good to have some more formal stuff yeah, that makes sense they it's so, it's fun yeah. to have a meetup and find a community and share ideas but to be able to take that to kind of the next level to help people be even better and kind of even standardize a little bit even though you're not doing that like super formally it's yeah. it's kind of a nice feeling for those people so I have one final question for you, yeah, and, sure. and it's it's kind of all around the the theme of of time limit, which kind of just nods to the fact that you know we're all trying to get a lot of work done with limited time and limited resources. And as someone who leads classes and runs the flash mob, you know that people <laughs> in project management seem to always be stretched for time. I'm sure that you have events where you expect double the the audience and you get a, a lot less people. Um, so I imagine that in a PMO role that time becomes even more limited because you're responsible for, for a lot. Um, are there things that you'd recommend to help a PMO stay calm but still kind of have their finger on the pulse of what's happening within their portfolio or their, their office? Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting you should bring that up, actually, because we um, we do a we do something regularly with, at Flashmorph, you know, at least at least every six months or so, which is to get them into this start, stop, continue. Right. Because I think right. part of the problem is, is that we carry on doing things, but actually nobody is getting any benefit from, nor really wants. But nobody's bothered to like ask the question, do you still want us to do this? So we just do a really simple um, exercise, which is literally what should we stop doing what should we continue doing and then what can we start doing because it gets people back into this into this thinking you know what actually we've got all these things on the stop list because no, nobody wants it so you've actually got resources in, in pmo time dedicated to doing stuff that can be you know it could be hours a week that actually nobody really wants so if you can just stop doing these things that nobody wants you've actually freed up so much more time to start doing things that people actually really do want. And, and part of the job with the, the PMO is you've always got to be scanning the horizon of what's coming down the line. So it's things like, is it a new is it a new tool? I mean, here in the UK, we're all getting quite um, excited and a bit daunted by this whole AI stuff, you know, like the robotic process automation. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, RPA in PMO world would be amazing because a lot of the job in PMO, especially around month-end stuff, very repetitive. But actually, you could automate some of that stuff, you know. Absolutely. And you know, and some of the reports you're doing, not even getting read. So, which is why you know the exercise that we do is just is so simple. But it's like, why are we why are we trying to carry on doing all this stuff? When actually, you know, there's more important stuff coming down the line and we haven't even got time to even give much thought to that. Absolutely. This is what your business really needs, you know. So. And that's a really simple way to make that happen, to identify where you can save some time, where you can be more effective and what your priorities are. So thank you for that. That's a, a really practical, easy tip, I think, for anyone uh, in business to use. 
Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me on Time Limit today. Uh, really appreciate you having here. I think we could probably talk for another hour. Uh, maybe you'll maybe you'll come back and join me on a, on a future episode. But thanks so much for being here. I really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Well, that's all we have today. Not going to lie here. I think a PMO role sounds really interesting. If you're a PMO or if you work in one and want to chat with me, please get in touch. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Also, if you're liking the podcast, please rate us and leave a review where you get your podcasts. Doing that will help us to grow the show. And we've got a lot of great ideas for future episodes. And if you're looking for more project management education, check out all the stuff we're producing at Team Gantt. We've got live classes on a variety of topics, which I'm presenting weekly, or check out the Art and Science of Leading Projects, which is an on-demand video course designed to help build your project management skills. You can find that on the Team Gantt website or even on our YouTube channel. All right, that's all we've got for this week. Thanks again. See you on the next episode where we'll, where we'll be talking about motivating teams. Motivating teams.